Good morning. Are we, we alive this morning on a fine holiday morning? Who is who's passionate about life this morning? I'm so passionate about life. I'm so passionate about the opportunities that we have in God. His mercies are new every morning. Amen? And so when we come together, we spur one another. I always love Pete and the encouragement. Thank you, Diana, for your encouragement as well. And just there is no name that is above the name of Jesus. And this morning, we're going to talk on, a, uh, on something that I'm so, so, so passionate about, and it's on the area of our thinking. Series titled, Think on This. We're going to be talking about the renewal of our minds, and, and I really hope that you get fresh insight this morning. I really hope that you lean into the Word. I'm also leaning into my trip coming up soon to America, and I am so excited. And how many of you know which, which restaurant am I excited to go back to? Do you remember? Pinnacle Peak? Pinnacle Peak? It's worth a trip to America just for that, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm leaning into that as well. I want you to lean into the word, but I'm also looking forward to my trip. And I was thinking about that. I, I, I probably gave some of you updates on my trip last time, but I had a list it was really, really long. Do you remember I had, I had restaurants upon restaurants, and I had just a long list of friends that I was going to catch up with, and some of my days were back-to-back-to-back appointments of just catching up with people. I spoke at a couple of churches. Um, we, we tried to maximize our time with family member. We had a huge list of clothes and bits and pieces that we wanted to buy at some of our favorite stores. And I can tell you that I probably did about 5% of that. And my expectations have drastically changed for this next trip. I'm, I'm, I hope that I'm far more in reality this time. There was, I think it was Carrie who, who might have told me. She, she said, Jesse, I knew that was going to happen, but I just wanted to let you find that out for yourself. I, it's so true. I, I had, I had this, this long list of things that I wanted to do. I had this long list of things that I was wanting to, um, to engage in, and, and all of them felt really, really important. They, were, they, they felt really important, and so I, my, I was quite sad when it didn't happen. But this, this time, I have a list, but it's, it's, it's less than this on my hand. I think Pinnacle Peak's in there somewhere. I'm, uh, my dad and brother haven't even made the list. If I see them, I see them, you know. Uh, but I've, got, I've, I've gone to the core of what, what is it that I'm wanting to do. And, and I was just thinking about it. Bruce Billington has put me onto a book that I want to give a personal recommendation for. It's called Essentialism. The book is called Essentialism. What is essential? And the premise in the book is this. It's, it's to identify the, there's very few things that are essential. There's very few things that are of, of utmost importance. And the rest of it just really doesn't give the traction that you need to do the things that you need to do and that you're called to, go, you're called to do and called to be. And so it's this idea of removing, it's, it's learning how to say no to most of those things and learning how to say yes to those things that are most important. And, and why I start with that story this morning is because I believe so strongly that the passage that we're going to look at is one of those essential passages. It's one of those, it, it's not just it's not just something that we can just breeze by, but over the next three weeks, my encouragement to you is to really lean into this verse. I think it is so important. It is the core. This would make the list of, this would even bump out Pinnacle Peak if it had to, right? This is how important. I just want to encourage you to lean into this passage this morning. It's one of the most essential truths for us to grasp for personal growth and transformation. I just want to share a thought before I share the verse. It's by Norman Vincent Peale. He says, change your thoughts and you change your world. Change your thoughts and you change your world. 
passage is this, Philippians 4, verse 4 through 9. Up on the screen is NIV, but I'm going to be sharing through from the ESV. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. How many of you know he's at hand? How many of you know he's with us? The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, how many of you want some of that, will guard your heart and your mind. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, Brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think on these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. How many of you know that Bible verse is worth just just taking in and like, I I hope to encourage you with some practical points out of that. But can I encourage you to get into the word for yourself and spend time. This is one of those essential truths. We need, we need what it's talking about in this. We need it so much. One of the things that I was thinking on this series, and and the, the title, Think on This, comes directly from the words, think on these things. Think on this. But the mind is the starting line. The mind is where it all starts. And, and you're going to hear me talk about the mind, but in, in the Bible, when it's talking about the mind, it also talks about the heart. It says, in this passage, it says, guard your heart and your mind. So we're going to be talking about the unseen in this series. So when we say mind, we're also talking about your desires, your heart, your deep felt convictions that are unspoken, who you really, really are. Not just what comes out, because sometimes what comes out is part of who we are, but the core of who we are. But the mind, the heart, this is the starting line. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What comes out here is, has already been formed in our heart, has already been formed in our mind. I was thinking, do you remember when we did a series on the fruit of the Spirit? Ten points, or nine points, should I say, for anyone that can remember them all. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It helps when you teach them because you have to remember them, right? I just remember going through that series. I don't think I'll ever forget them after going through that series. But I want to submit to you an idea that what is found in this passage, if that is the fruit, if love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is the fruit, I want to submit to you that our thoughts are the soil. And these ideas, specifically the whatever is, are the seeds that will grow into those fruit. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Next week, we're going to go a lot more into some of those specific ones and and talk a little bit about how we can implement those in our mind. But I just want to encourage you that it's the starting line, that, that what happens with those seedlings, I believe, will turn into the fruit of the Spirit. Transformation starts with the mind. If you're not, if we use the idea of anger, 
if, if you're trying to deal with anger in yourself, you can often remove a lot of the behavior. You know, you, you yell at someone, they say, don't yell at me, otherwise I'm going to call the cops. And so you remove that behavior. But if you don't go to the source, you will never experience transformation because that anger will always manifest in a different way somewhere else. We're talking about going to the starting line, looking at what that, like, that looks like. And transformation starts with the mind. To produce fruit and to grow, which we've talked about so much this year, and I am excited at continuing to do that, we need to deal with the entry point. Romans 12, 2, we're familiar with, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. It's once your mind is renewed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to discern what is the good, pleasing, perfect will of God. Once it is renewed is when you can figure out, when you can walk out, when you can work out what it is that God is leading you into. A renewed mind is a prerequisite for being able, walking, walking that life that God has for us out, that fruitful life. Jesus himself says in Matthew 5, 28, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He talks in the same passage around if you're angry, you've already committed sin against that person as if it was violence. That's strong. But a mind filled with lust, anger, pride, rebellion, whatever it is, those seeds produce a certain kind of fruit. Those seeds produce a certain kind of fruit. And how many of you spent time in the garden? I mean, you're all much smarter than me with gardening. I should have learned from my granddad when I went out with him when I was a young chap in the Wairapa and learned... But I just pull those suckers out and they come back up the next day. I'm telling you. It wasn't until my mom comes around with the, the you know, the, the spree, the, the spreed. Can't talk this morning. The what? No, not the hoe. The, the weed spray. The weed spray. It wasn't until we got to the root that the problem stopped popping up again in a different way. You all, we've heard these concepts, I think, before. But I want to share a story that I think is going to help, help give us um, some, some interesting ideas around this idea of thinking. I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning with Adam and Eve. Genesis 3 verse 1 says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? Adam replied, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to me to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. 
Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And it goes on to God has a, has a sharp talking to with each of those prospective involved parties from the, the serpent to Adam and to Eve. The serpent was more crafty than all the others. The serpent was more crafty than all the others. There is an enemy out there who wants to steal, kill, and destroy as much as he possibly can in your life. I think sometimes we don't talk about the enemy enough, but we don't want to give him any more glory than he deserves. But he's more crafty than anyone else, and he's looking to steal, kill, and destroy. And the enemy that existed then still exists now. He's been defeated. But we need to walk in that victory. But he's still looking to see how much stuff can he mess with? How much stuff can he just touch and make sure it goes as awry as possible? He will mess with you as much as he can in any way. But I want to submit this to you. Where he knows he will have the biggest impact is if he can affect your thinking. If he can affect your thinking is where he will have the biggest impact. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. If he can affect the way that you think, he can set you on a path for you to do far worse to yourself than he could ever do or has the authority or power to do. He can set you on that path. There are three obvious influences in this story, the enemy being one of them on the way that we think, and then what happens with the way that we think we then eventually do, right? There are three obvious influences. The first is the enemy. The second is others. Adam and Eve influenced one another in, in, this, um, in this engagement. I think Eve always gets a bad rap, but it says Adam was right there with her. So, I mean, he, he was party to, to the whole uh, encounter as well. They, they together influenced one another negatively. And the other influence I would submit to you is, is ourselves, both Adam and Eve had a huge portion of responsibility in and of themselves. It was the desires of their heart. It was the thoughts in there. It was those things that I just read. She saw that it was, it was good food. She, it, she had this desire to be wise. There was things inside of her that, that, and, and Adam that responded to that influenced the way that they thought and then what they eventually did. So we see these influences, and how many of you would agree that we have a lot of influences today? We have so many influences. How many of you would you agree that I influence myself negatively all the time as well? I, I'm, I'm just a part of that influence of, of my, my own sinful nature of where it comes from. And I have influences from, um, I've just got rat bag friends, you know. They're just trying to tell me to do all sorts of bad things. Just, I've got great friends. The enemy, he's looking any opportunity to steal, kill, and destroy. Sometimes we can go on in life and get too comfortable with our routine that we oftentimes forget that our battle is not of flesh and blood but that we do have an enemy that the Bible says is like a roaring lion looking for anyone to devour. And I believe the mind is the place where he wants the most influence because so much can come out of that. It's the starting line. What happens when God enters the picture here in this story? We've just been influenced by all these other people. What happens when God comes along? They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and Eve's response was to what? To hide. Adam and Eve's response when God Almighty came was to what? To hide. I don't know about you, but I think 
it's very telling of human nature of what we do when the presence of God can come. Do you know why he said, why did he hide? I was naked. There's no barriers between me and you, God. It was was too much. I was afraid. I hid. I needed to put barriers. I I needed to get behind something so that I wasn't such in full view of you, God. It was too much. The first proclivity that we have is to hide when the presence of God comes along. How funny, or it wouldn't be funny if it wasn't so sad, that we are as humans that so often we get influenced by so many different factors from ourselves, our natural inclinations, to our friends, our family. Pop culture influences us so much. To an enemy that's looking to devour us. And yet when God comes along, the influence that we we need the most, we often hide from him. We avoid him. Here, Philippians, in the passage that we read, it says, The Lord is at hand. Verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Listen to this. Let your requests be made known to God. Let your requests be made known to God. How many of you know it's a silly thing to try and hide from God anyways? And I think most of us can reason that God kind of understands it, But how much of us still have barriers up when we come into his presence? How often we still hide the very core of who we are. God doesn't want your lip service and worship. He wants your heart. He doesn't want to hear, God, you're never going to leave me or forsake you. But, you know, I remember when you did a while ago. And so I just am trying to believe this for you. He wants to invade the very core of who we are. He wants to go into the very thinking that created those beliefs to, to, let, to speak these truths into our life. Let your thoughts be made known to God. If, if there's one takeaway this morning, I'm going to talk more about it. That, that, is, that is so important. We're going to talk about a little bit more about what that is. But let your thoughts be made known to God. When you come into the presence of the Lord in prayer, in worship, don't hide from him, but bring your requests to him. Give them over to him. Surrender the things that you've got on your plate to him. There is no doctor in the history of doctors that's ever been able to treat a patient who won't give consent to be treated. There is no person that's ever been able to be helped by a police officer when you won't call I was going to say 911. That won't help you here either. That won't call 111. It's a lot easier to remember. Everybody should have that. There is something that happens that is so important in this. Verse 7 And the peace of God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will what? Will guard will protect, will we'll put a shield of protection over your heart and what? And your mind in Christ Jesus. This is so significant. How many of you know we have a world that is in desperate need of peace? Desperate need of peace. In this passage, 
It talks about what do you need to do to have the protection and the peace of God that it doesn't matter what the situation is. doesn't matter how hairy, how nasty, how horrible. It surpasses understanding the peace of God will guard. It will protect. It will put up a shield over your hearts and your mind. The very act of surrender, the thing that feels the most vulnerable when you're naked and God can see everything, is the act that allows God to come into your situation and guard your heart and your mind. We have all of these influences that we just saw in this story. But do you notice when we hide from God, we're taking ourselves away from the protection that he will afford from those very influences. He will guard it from all of the influences that otherwise go unchecked when hiding from him. Psalm 18.2, and I think, Diana, you shared it this morning or a piece of it. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I had a picture of in the garden, just as the scarecrow, what does he do? He scares off all the birds that are coming and trying to mess with all the right seed being planted. It's just, it's it's the same as the Lord's protection. Without the Lord's protection, you will not be able to renew your mind as the influence of the enemy, the influence of others, the influence even of yourself will keep coming and messing with you. It's going to steal, kill, and destroy, but God's protection that surpasses understanding will guard your heart and your mind when you give it over to him. The principle is this, surrender, giving up, handing over. Handing over your thoughts. And not just, not just God, this, this is a thought that I have. I want you to know about it, right? That's an informative thought. What are we talking about here? I'm giving it over to you. I'm no longer going to be responsible for this. I'm giving this to you. When you died at Calvary, you didn't just die so you could hear about my sins. You died to take my sins to the cross so they would be dissolved forever. Amen? To have peace, it has to be given to God. Because he cannot help what you will not give him. And our natural proclivity, why this is so important, is because when he's walking in the cool of garden, when we come into worship and we're starting to enter the presence of God, do we withdraw or do we lean in and open up? When we have the focused times of prayer and of worship, what is your natural proclivity? Do you have a list of things that God needs to do? Or do you have a list of things that you need to give over? When you give it over, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, let your requests be made known to him. So significant. The degree to which you are surrendered is the degree to which your mind can be transformed. The degree to which you are surrendered is the degree to which your mind can be transformed. We're just talking about it right now, but the practical how-tos. How important does this change the focus of our prayer times, of our worship times? This is not just a portion of the service to get through. This is an identity exchange that when we give to God at the very core of who we are, we have to come and be made known to him. Can I encourage you that in times of worship, don't hide who you are. This, this is tough. Adam hid for a reason. It's painful to be exposed. It's painful to be known intimately. But can I tell you something that's going to save you a lot of pain that he knows already? 
and he's wanting to take it on himself, stop holding on to those things. Stop holding on to the thoughts that are continuing to undermine what God is wanting to do in and through your life. Give them over to him. In everything, by prayer and supplication. Prayer and supplication, petition, worship. Supplication is this, the action of asking, urging, or begging for something earnestly or humbly. Invite him. Give him permission to be Lord of your thoughts. Don't just say sorry, but give the thoughts over to him. I said this before, but it's good enough to say again. He died at Calvary, and all of those things have died with him. But we have to go give them to the Father for him to put them in their rightful place. How many of you know this, the hymn, I Surrender All? Beautiful, right? I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. Aren't you guys glad I'm not singing it? I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. I just want to read you a quick passage of the guy that wrote this song. He says this, For some time I had struggled between developing my talents in the field of art and going into full-time evangelistic work. At last, the pivotal hour of my life came, and I surrendered all. A new day was ushered into my life. I became an evangelist and discovered down deep in my soul a talent hitherto unknown to me. God had hidden a song in my heart, and touching a tender chord, he caused me to sing. Do you know the same guy went on to significantly influence one small guy you might have heard of, Billy Graham? There's something so significant in this issue of surrender. It is in giving ourselves over to Jesus that he is then able to shape, renew our minds to that which he intended us to be in the first place. When you surrender unto the Lord, there is strength and new life found there to usher you into a new day. I, I can't... Remember, we talked about at the beginning of this essentialism, what is important. If you do not have a surrendered mind, you will be working constantly and effervescently, and you will wear yourselves out with very little eternal fruit. We have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, and then we will be able to approve what the perfect will of God is for our lives, to walk out that which he's calling you to do. We all have a passion, I would hope, to reach this city, to reach our families, to impact significantly those people around us. A renewed mind is so significant for this, and if he has not been given it, it will still remain the same and it will not be transformed. What's the core of this idea? Being made known. Make known your request to God. Stop hiding it's only going to prolong the frustration and stopping of growth. Come, to, come before him with everything. Use times like worship. Use times like prayer. Use those times to come before him and say, man, God, you might not know. You'll go on a journey with him. I promise you he will show you what's going on if you come before him and you, you step out behind those barriers. And I don't know what's preventing you from doing it. There might be a lot of things preventing. It might be, hey, that specific set of worship just didn't do it for me, so I can't enter in. I'm going to need to wait till the next one. It might be your prayer time for me. My kids are always so busy, and by the time I, they finally go to sleep, I just need to rest, God. I'll, I'll, I'll hit you up tomorrow morning. Fight to get those times of focus. I'm not just talking about your everyday walk with God, because when you're just walking and talking, these are times of focus. This is times to spend in the Sunday morning meeting when you're in worship. Allow God to do what only he can do. 
give them over to him. When we let go, God is able to move in. He can't help what we won't let him. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Psalm 55, 22. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. To be made known. God isn't interested in your lip service or even your service. Being comes before doing. Allow him to transform you on the inside. This is very vulnerable. This is, very, this is a painful process. Go through it because the pain is greater the other way. Be made known to God. We're not looking for the right answers or if you know the scripture. That's why I'm saying take time. This is a scripture to lean in. What is he saying? Peace that surpasses all understanding. This is something that the world needs. If we could grasp how to live and walk in this, let's pass it on. People need this peace. I'm such a firm believer that only in Jesus are you able to find this kind of peace. This peace is found in Christ Jesus. But if, if we don't know, if we're not walking in it and we don't quite know how to do it. Now, tough times of life come along. Notice Adam and Eve, it still happened. But what happens as it happens, what should we be doing? Make it known to him. There's, bring down those barriers. Get rid of those barriers. Be bold to come into his presence. How easy is it are we to accept influence from so many other places, and then when it comes time for God to speak into us, what happens? Shh, it's too hard. Get rid of those barriers. The last piece of this, and we'll wrap up, is he says, with prayer, petition, supplication, and he says this, with thanksgiving. As I was thinking on this idea of how, what we need to do to actually bring our requests before God, with prayer, petition, we've talked about that. With thanksgiving, that's an expression of gratitude. How many of you, at least it was, I'll, maybe I'll speak for myself. When I, thought, when I saw that with thanksgiving, I'm like, God, you haven't done anything yet. If I'm bringing my, my expression of gratitude towards you, God, please, please help me in this area that I've been struggling in forever and, and just take my thoughts, take who the core of I am. How do I have gratitude in that if he hasn't already done it yet? It, there was this, I, it took some wrestling for me to, to just stop. What does it mean with Thanksgiving? Archer, um, yesterday, he, um, it was dinner time, and he dropped, or he didn't have a fork. And, and we thought that it was finger food. He had uh, apples and carrots, and Angie made some homemade pizza. He didn't need a fork. But he was like, Mom, where's my fork? Where's my fork? It was like, his attitude was like, how dare you not have a fork in front of me when it's time for me to, to get to eating? Both me and Angie were like, you know, it was almost timeout time just from the attitude in there. Gratefulness, an expression of gratitude. This is what I started thinking about. A grateful heart shows a surrendered heart. A grateful heart shows a surrendered heart. If you are bitter, if you are hardened, it is impossible to hand anything over to him. You can't, ha- you can't hand something over that you're still very preciously holding on to. Something that is still yours, that you're still seething in, that you're still, you can't hand that over because that's still, you're holding on to it. 
A thankful heart is one that is truly handing over that stuff to God, who knows they can't do it on their own and are filled with gratefulness for what God has done, he is doing, and what he is going to do. A thankful prayer, a thankful petition, thankful worship is an indicator for you to see how much you are still holding on to. And that which you are holding on to, God can't continue to transform. Think on this. What do you need to give over to God so that he can then guard your heart and your mind? It's not just a nice idea, but there's a principle that once he has it, he can put some protection over you. So that those influences, can, he, he, there's a supernatural thing that surpasses all understanding that God does is that he's going to start to guard your heart and your mind. And, and next week and the following week, we're going to talk about very practically what do we need to do once that has been established. What seeds are you sowing at the starting line of who you are? I believe this verse is, is, is first on purpose. Meaning that even before he says what to think on, because he goes and does this big list of what you need to think about, he says this, or what to practice, or what do you need to do to get a renewed mind? We need to first give our thoughts over to him so his divine protection and influence can shield us from the many influences this world has. You need to make your thoughts known to Jesus. And not only known, but give them over to him at the starting line. Surrender. It's not fun, but my goodness, there's no more intimate time that you'll have. If you want to transform your prayer and your worship life, begin doing this. You're going to see intimacy with God. He is on the door knocking for you to release those things over. He is not some distant God. He is a relational God that is wanting to engage with you on a daily level. But if we are not being transformed at this level, if we're not giving them over to him, we're not going to be the recipients of this protection because we're still holding on to it. He can't, he can't protect what we won't allow him to. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you and we stand on the truth that you will never leave us and never forsake us. And Lord, we thank you for how patient you are with us. Lord, I thank you for your patience with me. I thank you for your patience with us. But Lord, we truly have a desire to see your kingdom come in this place. Lord, Give us the boldness, the confidence to come before you with nothing, withholding nothing. The core of who we are, we bring to you. We give over to you. We surrender to you. Lord, transform us by the renewing of our minds. Let us give this to you, Jesus. Let us not give this to you in name. If we, if we detect a spirit in us that is not filled with thanksgiving, Lord, let it be an indicator that we're still holding on to bitterness. Lord, release your people to have a mind that is completely renewed, that sees things as you see them. Father, we want to walk and talk and step into your grace, Lord, but we know we need a mind that's the starting line of the fruit that we see. Lord, help us not to keep chopping off these things that keep flourishing but let's go down and, and fix that root, Jesus. Lord, give us boldness not to hide behind the garden or hide behind something, Jesus, but when, when we hear you, when we hear your still small voice, when we, when we can feel your presence, Lord, and focus times, prayer of worship, Lord, we're giving you permission right now to do what you would in our lives. Lord, we don't have to wait for somebody else to facilitate a conversation between us. We can have this conversation with you directly. The veil has been torn. 
Lord, I speak an empowerment of these conversations with you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we are going to be a, a, a people that have renewed minds, that see your fruit after we've been sowing these seeds in your word. All of God's people said, amen. Let it be so, amen.